Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we do is take a look at the daily chart. What's jumping off the page at us? What is more important, at least from a visual perspective, than anything else on the chart? Well, today, the first thing that jumps off the page is the amount of days that we've been up since the last pivot low. So I start to look at that, and I realize that we're on time. Therefore, we have other things to discuss. Let's say the market is on time, and today is at minimum of a short-term top. Where to? We discussed it the other day, so let's reiterate the where to. The first thing we do is take the daily chart, and we see where the where to is on the daily chart. 454, give or take a few pennies, was the former high. So we've broken out above the former high, albeit not too much. And by the way, they still have yet to complete the target. We'll all remember discussing this a number of times. This is what's called an inverse head and shoulders pattern. And guess what? This has a target of roughly 460, maybe slightly higher. Guess what? They haven't got there yet. Maybe they come up short and fall away, but don't get faked out by one day down in a market that's been up for several days in a row. The markets don't go in a straight line up to the moon. They don't go in a straight line into the basement. They have bounces along the way. There's ebbs and flows. Today we had a gap up, still finished up on the day, but it was somewhat, and I say somewhat, we'll get more into that later, somewhat of a gap in crap. You didn't finish on the highs. You finished poorly on the day. That's generally speaking the market's way of telling a tale. It's always about how they close them that's most important, not necessarily about how they trade intraday. Let's get back to the 454. So maybe it is, maybe it's not, but what we want to do is drill down to other charts to see what seems most important in that general area of 454, maybe below. We're actually looking below. Why is that? Because the markets, generally speaking, again, not every time, we use the 80-20 rule. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, when the market does the same thing over and over again, we tend to think that it's going to continue to happen the majority of the time. So what I'm saying is that they may or may not stop and running a test on the nose at 454. Maybe they come down intraday even for a couple or three days inside the former high. That doesn't mean the market's going to collapse. That means they're running a test. That means they're trying to let you believe that the top may be in. Remember, it's the market's job to trick as many traders and investors as much of the time as possible. Make them, us, all of us, look like fools as much of the time as possible. So the first thing I want to do is go down to a 240-minute chart and see if there's anything interesting that warrants further looking into on the 240 chart. And what I see here is I do see the most recent breakup candle has a low of about 452.39. So we'll call it 452.50 for argument's sake, for rounding purposes. Maybe they run a test all the way to the breakup candle low. 
maybe they don't. We're going to settle in on roughly 453, give or take. It's not that far from the former high, and it's not all the way to the low of the breakup candle. We can adjust it later, but this is the way in real time that I do this kind of work just to get the scope of what's likely to happen if they do fall more. Where are they likely going? What would be the short-term destination? This is how I do the work in real time. Now, we go over to the 120-minute chart, and there's something even more interesting. We have a moving average that comes into play around that number. So right now, the moving average happens to coincide with the former high right around 454, give or take a few pennies. So that's interesting. We want to know about that. We may be more interested in 454 than we were before after seeing the 120-minute chart. Not moving the line just yet. I know 454 is going to be important. Now I have two reasons why 454 could be under normal garden variety conditions chart support. Now we're on the hourly chart, and something else is interesting on the hourly chart. Underneath the 453, we notice the 50-period moving average comes in not too far from the original concept, which was the breakup candle low from the 240 chart, and it's really pennies away from the official low, which was 452.39. So now that's more interesting. Now we really zero in on the spot between, the zone between 454 and 452, 452 and a half in that neighborhood. 50 period moving average on the 60 minute chart, 20 period moving average on the 120 minute chart, breakup candle low on the 240 minute chart. Now think about this for a moment. This is without the benefit of seeing the market trading in real time. It's without the benefit of price really being in that neighborhood at present. What we're doing here is getting game ready. What happens if the market is down there Wednesday morning? Are we going to find the trade? Is there reason for support in that zone? Now, if they're gapping below all that stuff, inside the numbers members will have the next number down. But right here, the night before, without the benefit of knowing where we're trading overnight and in the early morning hours, that's the zero-in zone that I'm targeting. By the way, before we leave the daily chart of the SPY, I made mention that at present, we're basically on time. What does that mean? It means that if you haven't taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, you should consider understanding how and why time is more important than price and how to use it to your advantage. What about inside the numbers? How about the early thoughts? We're going to scroll through the commentary. You're going to be able to pause the video and go back to the charts to double check the work. As we know, on the days when the market gaps up, it takes the early trading opportunities away from those that want the early trade. The early thoughts were, they're pushing to where? At least to a round number type of destination. Again, it's somewhere above it, somewhere below it, but the concept is they're headed to a magnetic place. It's a place that's drawing price in, and it's ES4600, and it's SPY460. Now, they didn't get there today. They got to ES4590, I believe, maybe plus or minus something on either side, but that's about all they were able to muster on the upside today. That doesn't mean that a couple of days from now, they won't be back making another attempt. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, 
Is it finished just short of the next big fat round number? Or are they likely to find their way to the big fat round number, spike it through at a bare minimum? Time will tell, but the concept is they usually do achieve getting to the big fat round numbers. And if they don't, and they start trading below some other stuff, well then we have a different situation on our hands. You'll notice we were a little short in information in the early thoughts today. We had where could they be headed on the upside, and we had the only place I'd be willing to play ball on the downside was all the way down at the gap left open for Monday, about 455.50. In between, no dice. Now check it out. Right at the vertical, today's activity, five-minute chart, you know the routine. So here we have the market that pulled up short. It made a low of 455.56 when they came in over lunchtime when yours truly was away from the screens. But nevertheless, it came up short of the 455.50, but the gap is at different numbers depending on what chart you're looking at. The daily chart, the gap happens to be 455.55. The hourly chart and other charts happens to be 455.49. It came up short of the entire gap, so we look at that in one of two ways. Either they'll be back later, which by the end of the day, they were headed back in that direction, or they're so strong that they're telling you that they missed the gap, the market is bullish, and they're just going to go higher without finishing or completing the gap, we call that, or at least I call that, unfinished business. Right now, the gap is unfinished business. There's certainly a lot of gaps left open below current price, all the way down. We know about all that. We'll get to those whenever price does come back down later. But right now, the first piece of unfinished business is the near-term gap that was just missed today. So you can see what was happening at the end of the day, the close was poor, and they basically sold them into the bell, headed toward the gap. That doesn't mean they're going to gap down tomorrow. We have to wait for tomorrow to find out what they're going to do. The moral of the story was, regardless of whether a trader jumped in front of the gap or was waiting for the gap to make a trade on the long side, the number worked, the area worked. It was the only area that I was interested to purchase the market. And as it turns out, it was 100% the correct move. They just never got to my number, and I got back to the screens too late. Let's see what else we have as the day begins to get underway. You can read the commentary, pause the video, go back to the charts. I'm going to point out some specific things, and then we'll circle back to stocks on the move. We'll look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. As you can see, there was some early commentary on some early stocks on the move that were on the move. As for the SPY, 939, floating around. The next big fat set of numbers, we talked about them already, the 460, the ES 4600, that's what was on the board bright and early. Doesn't mean that you chase the market up there, it's the commentary, it's what's happening. Any trader that wants to chase the market, and you know how I feel about that, that is absolutely trader's choice. They won't do it in a straight line, and we should expect a visit from Trick and Company in the process. What happened before they got there? We got the visit from Trick and Company around lunchtime. Why do we talk about that ahead of time? Because under normal garden variety conditions using the 80-20 rule, Trick and Company are in the bullpen. We're moving right along. And by 9.47, stocks on the move were in the books, 
SPY was in float mode and will be quiet until there's something material to say. And really, there was nothing material to say until after lunchtime. When I got back, they were already at the number. They came up short of the gap. We discussed it here. You can read it on your own. Pause the video. And then we start talking about areas that are resistance, areas that are support. Once the market is in a specific area and starts to trade around, we have some semblance of important numbers. But keep in mind, when they haven't been here ever before, it's not the same as an important number that has a point of reference. Keep in mind, they're in no man's land. This is day one in this particular segment of no man's land. We're talking about the gaps here again, 146. And then a reminder around 2 o'clock. The bigger picture, there's nothing wrong with the market. They went down to fill a gap that was left open the day before. They're at new highs, notwithstanding the fact that there's unfinished business. In concept, that's what happened. They're at new highs, generally speaking, and the trend, which is your friend, is the dominant thing. We're always going to go to what is the dominant thing. Is one chart more dominant than another? In this case, the trend is the dominant thing. We're moving along. They're floating around as we get closer to the end of the day. Time runs out on the clock, and you can't do anything with the market because you're going to run out of time in a particular trade. You want to take a trade positioning for the next day. That's different. That's not what this is. That's up to the individual trader. Let's take a look at stocks on the move. I would pay attention if you're at all interested in how this works. We're going to look at GLW, WM, XRX, L-O-G-I, check that, L-O-G-I is off the board, it didn't hit its number, L-M-T is the last one we're going to look at, C-N-C did not hit its number, we only want the ones that hit our numbers, not somebody else's. First one we'll look at is Corning, getting its buzz cut at the open, two numbers, equally important, can make a case it's either one, and guess what, it was either one, it was both, 3651, 3609. Went to the first, bounced around, went to the second, back to the first, above the first, and it stayed at the first for quite a while, and then it bantered back and forth for the rest of the day. Either way, provided you at minimum of a base hit from the first, if you painted by the numbers, which is half at the first, half at the second, provided you better than a base hit, if you waited for the second, provided you a double. Either way, the moral of the story is the numbers work. Why not 37? Why was it 3651? Why was it 3609? There are reasons. Stocks are headed to a destination. Once they get to the destination, they're either going to do one of two things. They're either going to hang out for a cup of coffee, which means the destination or final destination or next destination may be lower, or they're going to snap back and go back in the other direction. Either way, the numbers work. And by the way, even when they hang out for a cup of coffee, they still generally provide you at minimum of the base hit opportunity. How you doing? Waste management, buzz cut, three numbers, painting by the numbers, worked like a charm. Enough said, the numbers worked, we can move it along. How about Xerox? Uh-oh, looks like a hot knife through butter. This is the daily chart. Wait, there's more. When you go down to a five-minute chart, you find out that once it came into 1872, it had that reaction in the other direction, provided significantly more than the minimum required base hit. Doesn't seem like a lot, but you have to put it in perspective. It's an $18, $19 stock. 
it bounced up to a high of 1942 from an entry of 1872. Just eyeballing it, seems like it might be approaching 4% in minutes. LMT, the first number worked 347.82. They bounced it back above 350, giving you more than three bucks back to a big fat or at least semi-fat round number. Traders have to take that off the table, especially if they come back below after getting to 350, then it's trouble. The second number, the second number did not work. The second number turned out to be a shit burger if you picked up the second number. But frankly, by that time, with the other ones in my pocket, I wasn't interested in taking another trade. We treat it as a business. When I have that kind of profit very quickly, like in minutes of the opening bell, the concept that I go by is keep the profits in your pocket. You say thank you very much, and you move on. And unless a trade absolutely slaps you in the face, one that you have to have come hell or high water, then you just move it along, enjoy the day, and come back in uniform, ready to go the following day, even if you've traded a total of 12 minutes. What's going on over in Camp IWM? This is interesting. So they weren't able to get to the 232 that I've been discussing. Today they were rejected, finishing near the lows at just over 230. So the question is, is this pivot here enough to contain the market? That's the one that essentially rejected price. You can see here, that's where the high was, and that's where we basically were rejected from in the IWM finishing near the lows today. Is there anything wrong with the weekly chart? They're above all the moving averages. They've been eating time off the clock. They've run some tests of some important breakup candle lows. And you can see the concept is don't be swayed by hour to hour, day to day sometimes. Look at the prevailing or the dominant thing. The dominant thing is your trend. The dominant thing over a daily chart is a weekly chart. The dominant thing over a weekly chart is a monthly chart. In between, so there's five days in a week. In between each weekly candle, there's a whole lot of noise with the market going up and down. But where the week closes at Friday, 4 o'clock, that's what's most important from a weekly chart perspective. The weekly trend is more important than the daily trend. So that all being said, maybe the market pulls back some, but from a daily chart perspective, still yet, as long as they're above these moving averages, technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with the IWM. Move it along. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Nice little tail candle in today's daily candle. This thing's been up a ton. It's been relentless, and in one fell swoop over a three-week period of time, or I should say two weeks and two-day period of time, they ran up to run a test of the former high. Just because they pulled back a little bit today, put in some kind of a tail candle on the daily chart, doesn't mean they're going to collapse. This was the first run. They didn't even get to the high. The high over here is 16,170 and change. Today's high was 16,112. So they came up short, and that's normal. We talk about it all the time. We talked about it a couple of times today already. Sometimes they come up short. Sometimes they bust through, and then they pull back either way, making everybody believe the run is over, but it's just a pullback. And it remains just a pullback until it's something different. Look at the monthly chart. 
They make a high, they pull back, it's basically on time, and in one month, they're back to the highs. In one month, did they go back to the highs to get rejected, or did they go back to the highs to make a new high? We'll find out by the end of the month, but the end of the month is a coming. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Q people. Now that's interesting. So it's kind of a tail candle, pseudo doji candle, run a test of the former highs, don't go higher, pull back, get rejected from the highs. Is that what's going on? Well, we don't know until we know, but A, the trend is your friend, yada, yada, yada. But it's due for a pullback like everything else. When you go up like the transports, when you go up like the Qs, when you go up like the SPY, everybody believes it's going to keep going, but then you're going to run into an area where all of a sudden it doesn't keep going, and then everybody slaps themselves in the head and say, oh yeah, of course, they need to rest a bit, nothing goes in a straight line, the market ebbs and flows, all that stuff. But here's the thing that I want to bring out in the cues. This is interesting to me. And this is a discussion that I had with a handful, or I should say, a small bucket full of traders earlier today. And it was a discussion that took place when the cues were basically making new highs. And the discussion went like this. The cues are trying to make new highs. Are they going to make new highs or are they not going to make new highs? Well, let's look at it like this. The S&P 500 already made a new high. Why haven't the Qs made a new high? Why are they lagging? So here was my theory at the time earlier today. I said I didn't buy the story that the Qs were going to bust out and close above the former high without struggling. I didn't believe they were going to be able to do it. And I said, quote unquote, don't do anything on that information. It's what I think. It's what I believe, but we don't know a technical reason until we know. Now we have something to trade against. Well, we had something to trade against before. Obviously, a trader could have shorted against the old high, but that wasn't what we were doing. I was just having a discussion at the time with a handful or small bucket full of traders. It was a divergence. I was looking at the divergence saying, the S&P made a new high. So here's what was really in the back of my mind. Remember, my mind or inside my head is a very dangerous place to be. So I said to myself like this, self, the S&P made a new high and the Qs are now approaching the former high. Here's the likely scenario, only because I've read this book dozens and dozens and dozens or if not hundreds of times. The Qs can't get through the high. The S&P pulls back to run a test of the former high while the Qs are struggling and then both indexes make another push whether it's a few days from now or into next week sometime, whatever it is, they make another push where the Qs do make a new high and absolutely give themselves another opportunity to close at new highs. And on the other side, the S&P would have run a test of a former breakout area, bounced off of it or spent a day or two down there and then made another attempt at more prices higher. And where would that be? Again, we go back to the big fat round numbers, at least the first place they have not achieved yet. I'm going to even call it unfinished business, 4,600, 460, give or take. Again, it's the head and shoulders target. It's a big fat round number that came up 10 points short in the ES. You see how all this goes together? Everything that I just discussed with you is everything that's been in my head all day long. This is what I'm thinking about. Don't you feel sorry for me? The XLF, nothing doing. Flat, 
nothing to talk about. They made a new high. They didn't finish at a new high. They're high on the chart. There's nothing wrong with the XLF. When we look at the monthly chart, what we can say is they're getting too far again from home base. They're going to have to pull back. They're going to have to go sideways for a while, give home base a chance to catch up to price. How long that takes in a monthly chart is a long time. Here's the weekly chart. They're at new highs. They'll pull back. Sure they will. Somewhere in this neighborhood of former highs, something like that is a coming. Here's a breakup candle low, former high. So down in that neck of the woods, of course, at some point, we're going to find the XLF running a test of $39.32 as a low. $39.50 to $39 is absolutely going to take place at some point in time. When? I can't tell you that. It's a secret. Smash mouth. Not a good day, not a bad day. They finished positive on the day, but again, it was more of a gap in crap than anything else. But again, they're above all the moving averages, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with the SMH. They were up 32 cents, and we're going to leave it at that. Period. Full stop. Google's getting hit a little bit, being taken out behind the woodshed after earnings, after market. Today's close was $27.85, down $50, $55. By tomorrow's opening, could be up, could be down more. We have no idea. Just saying. If it's down, could certainly have an impact on the tech space, the NASDAQ, the Qs. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.